What up? This week on the Town Tailgate Podcast, we start off the episode with a pay- playoff picture overview, kind of go into what we are looking at with matchup seedings and whatnot, as well as some other big news events around the league. Then what do we got, Julio? Well, guess what, Chris? Your Oakland Athletics are the champs of the AL West. Woo! That's Hello. right, folks. We're going to be talking about days winning their division for the first time since 2013 as well as uh, some stuff to be looking forward to with the next few weeks of baseball but chris we had a little bit of award season with the emmy so we decided to do our own thing and what are we calling it chris that's right it's the regular season awards it's just that time of year because the playoffs are around the corner we're calling it the azs <laughs> no surprise Hey-o. we couldn't think of a better name so that's what we got um, and then that's it. We don't we don't really recap much of uh, the coming week because there isn't much of a coming week. But we do have a big announcement at the end, so make sure you stay tuned and listen to that announcement. So let's hop into the episode. It's tailgate time, Julio. Let's do it. All right, so the A's just beat the Dodgers 6-4. to four. Good yeah. way to uh, begin this podcast. Welcome to the Town Tailgate. That woo you heard was, of course, Julio Reynoso. That's right. It's always nice to see our good friend Blake Trinan and for him to still help us out at the end of the day. Yeah, I gave up a nice uh, game-winning two-run home run from Ramon Laureano. That's pretty great. My name is Chris Madrigal, by the way. Um, yeah, I mean... It, uh, Last night was a little bit disappointing because of the seven seven to two eight to two seven to two loss, um, especially on national TV. Um, we're gonna get into that the ESPN broadcast a little bit later, but um, today was a lot more satisfying and it looked like a mo- lot more p- competitive um, and fun team to watch. Um, but I guess we'll save that for A's news, right, Julio? Exactly. There's yeah. There's gonna be some stuff about that game specifically that we're going to be unloading yeah but chris we're less than a week away from the start of the mlb playoffs i know i'm so excited to talk about i'm so excited the best time the we've uh i I think we i can't remember we talked about this on our offer we're both agreeing that like october is the best time of the year yeah playoff baseball you got the fall weather um, I personally, I love Halloween, so I think it's dope. Football's in full swing. You like and to, then now we got... You like to dress up and like do, like, just not be yourself for the day. Is that why, Julio? Are you upset oh, with who you are as a person? <laughs> I'm just kidding. This, you're not my therapist. <laughs> but, um, but, hey, uh, and Whitney and I always kill it on Halloween costumes, but still. That's cool. And we get NBA Finals and the Stanley Cup in October. So a lot of cool stuff. Yeah. Th- this year, this year around we, we, yeah, we, we, instead of a boring, like not really important regular season, uh, ba- uh, basketball going on, we actually get the NBA finals. So this is a, this is pretty cool on top of football, which Holy. football as a, we are both Raider fans as a Raider fan this year, football is actually fun to watch because the Raiders are actually good. Yeah. Um, but let's hop into news around the league. So obviously with, you know, the, postseason um starting on tuesday the last round of games we have four days left of regular season games a lot of teams are between three and four games left in their regular season a lot of teams are starting to clinch so in the american league 
the uh, the Rays clinched the division yesterday. Um, the Yankees, White Sox, Twins, and Indians clinched a playoff spot. And the Blue Jays and the Angels are in the hunt. That that kid, that's a misprint. Uh, Technically, well, they're uh, they're technic like technicality. They're starting it. Uh, they're three seven and three. The last ten games, a lot has to go their way. But yeah, for the technicality's sake, they're still in the hunt. But the AL is more or less. I mean locked. the the so the Blue Jays are the eight seed right now. Um, yeah. And yeah, I guess you're right. Technically, the only two teams that are still in the hunt because officially the Royals, the um, the Orioles, and the Tigers are eliminated. But technically, the Mariners and the Angels are still in the hunt. But they're both Mariners are about four games back. The Angels are they need about a lot of help. three. They need a lot of help. And the Blue Jays are in that eight seed right now, two games above 500. Yeah. It's, I mean, the American League's been more or less pretty pretty set for the past month, let's be completely honest. Um, with the Mariners kind of making a run, but they've fallen off a little bit lately. So that's, that's what's going on in the American yeah. League. In the National League, um, the Braves and Dodgers clinched the division yesterday. Um, the Cubs and Padres have clinched playoff spots. Actually, I think the Cubs clinched playoff, their division today. They did not. Not yet. They did not. Not yet. They're not officially. No, not yet. Um, the Cardinals and Marlins, Reds, Brewers, Giants, and Phillies are all in the hunt, so it's a little bit up in the grabs, but um, the Phillies are, let's see how many games behind the Giants right now. They are half a game behind the Giants. Ooh. So that's going to be, and the Brewers are it's... also half a game behind the Giants, and the the Mets are technically still in it, They're but they're about three games behind the Giants. It's yeah. going to be tight. It's gonna uh, be a t- and oh my god and the Giants are half a game behind the Reds for seven seed. Yeah, the Rockies and the and the Nats are still in it as well. But it, it seems like every year there's with the NL, it seems way more competitive with those last couple playoff spots than with yeah. the AL. Because even last year we knew the wild cards were gonna be the A's and the Rays because of just how dominant yeah. the rest of the AL was in their divisions. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's pretty crazy. So that's going to be definitely something to watch this weekend. I mean, I would say I was talking to my uncle about it this weekend or today. And I kind of told him like, well, I mean, they're the eight seed right now. They probably have to win four of their five remaining games. They might have to win out now. I, I didn't know it was that tight. I thought they were like at least a game ahead. Um, that's going to be interesting. Okay, cool. Well, anything, any, uh, anything you want to talk about specifically with the playoff seating as it is? Um, nothing too much, uh, in regards to just with the A's, we'll get a little more in depth. Yeah. AL's pretty much set. If you want something fun, like something exciting to watch this weekend, definitely watch those NL teams because it's going to go down to Sunday. Poss- who knows? There may be the possibility of having like a single game playoff on Monday, but it's going to be really, really close with all those teams. Yeah. So Technic- so right now, as it is, Tampa Bay is the number one seed in the American League. Um, Dodgers have been the number one seed all season, so everybody kind of knows that. And uh, the Cubs and the Braves are kind of um, fighting back and forth between two and three. So that could be interesting to see this weekend. Um, I don't know how much those guys care about who their matchups are because Giants, Reds, and and um marlins are kind of all dancing around the same um in terms of competitiveness uh barely uh above average kind of mediocrity 
So I think your opponent, it's not, it's a little bit not as concerning, but for us, there's a big difference because Houston Astros are 500 and they're not good. And I think anybody in the American League would be dying to play them in the first round. Um, the only reason why they're the sixth seed as opposed to, I mean, the eighth seed um, is because of the technicality rules with Major League Baseball's playoffs this year. Um, if you are the number two team in your division, you automatically get a bid four, five, and six seed, which is fucking stupid. Um, we'll take it. Yeah. I mean, if we're the three seed, that's great. Um, but so that six seed, I think a lot of teams will be fighting to get that one because then you go down to seven and the Cleveland Indians are pretty damn good with their rotation. Um, Toronto, I don't know. Toronto's a little bit better than Houston. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be too upset with that, but that's something to look out for. Uh, okay, so more uh, news around the league. Ron God- Gardenhire, uh, a absolute legend. Um, a he was the manager of the Twins for like twenty years or something like that, right? Yeah, from two thousand two to two thousand fourteen. Uh, he was the AL manager in twenty ten. Uh, he called it a career. He re- he was current. He was actually the Tigers manager for the last couple of years from twenty eighteen to twenty twenty. Uh, he retired citing health concern to use a previous cancer survivor so best of you know best of the rest of your retirement I, uh, best retirement rod that's what we're gonna say um yeah he was a he was a part of the coaching staff the 91 twins when they won the world series he was a manager of the year 2010 mm-hmm. uh and of course he was a part he was a, the twins manager in 2002 and then knocked out the a's mm-hmm. but he was also the twins manager in 2006 when the a's not Give him back the favor. Yeah. So I I was surprised to hear that he was even managing. I forgot that he was on that he was a Tigers manager. I thought he retired back in 2014. Like I don't know. I was just a little shocked to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. It was a it was a bit of a shock when I remembered when he was initially brought back to go coach the or manage the Tigers because mm-hmm. it's just like well why this team? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It it seemed like they just kind of needed a spot to fill. Uh. It. There's, we're going to see a lot of managerial openings over the off season, and this doesn't seem like the most appealing job, but we'll see what happens. Either way, uh, congrats on an awesome career in baseball, and good luck in your retirement. So I have a quick update. The Giants just won, so now they're one game above 500, so that is something to help. Um, way to go, guys. And you then did it. the final big piece of yeah, and then the final big piece of uh, MLB news is. Um, Mike Clevenger was pulled early from his start today. Today or yesterday? I think it's today. Today, uh, as went today Wednesday after one inning. Yeah, so he might be injured. I don't think we have any th- update yet. He's supposed to have an MRI soon. So I mean, if the A's have to play the Indians in the first round, that's good news. I mean, as much as I don't Indians or you mean the Padres? Padres. Oh, that's right. He doesn't play for the Indians anymore. Um, He's not our problem anymore. Yeah. <laughs> that's tough for them though uh yeah he break, so especially he, when you traded so he much actually for him. was uh yeah exactly and they actually he skipped his start his first scheduled start i believe it was saturday um he had some tightness in his arm and it was kind of a precautionary thing and then happened again today they're saying it has something arm tightness again something mm-hmm. to do with the bicep he's gonna get an mra but if he's not there uh mra that's or mri huge 
MR, MRI. The same right? Anyways. Uh, I just, you, you did it to me, so I had to do it back to you. Once you get past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's going to be a huge spot to fill in that rotation because once you get past Danielson Lamette at the one spot, it's going to be kind of a toss up. Like, Zach Davies yeah. has had a pretty bounce back year for the Padres, but yeah, can you rely on him to be on that two? And then the three spot is going to get really weird because Chris Paddock's been all over the place. Uh, Garrett Richards is not really the guy. It, it's going to be vulnerable, but if there's any team that could kind of be okay with this, it's the Padres because of how stacked their lineup is and they can still outscore majority of the teams in the NL. I mean, I would be worried, man. I mean, if it's like if let's say they're going to the NLCS and they're going up against the Dodgers, actually they wouldn't. They would play in the second round. NLDS and they're going up against the Dodgers, which have like a rotation of Kershaw, May, Urias, and uh, I mean maybe maybe uh, what's his face is back. Bueller's back. Walker Bueller, if yeah. his blisters. I mean, fuck, like that. I would be concerned. I don't care how much fucking like slugger power you got in your lineup. Like you still have to keep runs off the board and. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but who, who, this is going to be the weirdest uh, playoffs ever because you're going to be at a neutral site. You're going to be in Texas. Yeah, but still. So it's not like they're going to be playing at Dodger Stadium or or Petco where somebody gets advantage. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But that was the news for the MLB. Now it's time to talk about some Oakland A's news. And, Chris, guess what? What is that? The Oakland A's, for the first time since 2013, have clinched their division. They have done that. They have done it. We don't have to deal with the one-game playoff bullshit anymore. Oh, wait. Everybody gets to play in a series this season. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's but cool. it's, it's like we said. I said on Twitter, man. The Astros aren't winning it. They're not winning the division. <laughs> the evil reign of evil is over. They're done. The evil empire. Get them out of the here. evil empire is, has fallen. The, I would have been called an empire. They're a joke. What would you they call cheated. them? So they, you would call them the uh, what's the the new empire that came to power? Um, the first order. The first order. <laughs> it's actually, yeah, they're the first order. Because they never Good really one. had power. You know, like the resistance still had the power technically. So it was just like, yeah, they're just they're the yeah, first the, order. The first order just is like. And when I see what, oh, what the hell is his name? Uh, oh, my God. The guy that played one of the Weasleys, Harry Potter. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you're talking about. I don't know the actor's name. General Hux. General Hux. Yeah, yeah that's Alex Bregman. Just yeah. a little weenie. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, yes, won the division. Uh, huge shout out. I know he's been a little polarizing over the years with some fans, but Bob Melvin, nine years as a, as a manager for the A's. Uh, six playoff appearances, three division titles. I know we're frustrated through all the heartbreak you've had during that time and really for Chris and I's whole lifetime. That is still pretty damn impressive and you can't find many managers in baseball who've been able to do that. He's polarizing? This is news to me. So credit where it's credit to you. Um, I... I think if you just ask fans that are just frustrated, I know I have some friend, some ace fans and family and friend circles who are a little frustrated because it's like, he's been here all these years. Nothing's ever happened. And, and I get it because it's like when you're consistently contender for that all this time, 
and you're kind of just saying that seeing the same thing over and over again when they fail, then what what gives? And usually they want to use him as a scapegoat. But I think with what he does with this lineup over throughout that time, how we pretty much had a mini rebuild in the beginning, and now you bring back a team that is arguably better than any team he's managed before. Um, obviously, with 2020 being a weird year, we don't see how it would have been over a full 162. You got to give him the credits due, man. He's been one of the best managers in baseball throughout this time. There's not many guys you can put at the same level as him. I have never pointed to him as the problem. And I think anybody who has, um, like, needs to do their research because the fact that he's able to consistently put together a winning team with nothing but constant rebuilds and young players and never, like, once, it feels like every time once a player gets good, they're gone. So he has no consistency. He has to constantly rebuild and retool. So like if anyone's blaming then you're just if anyone's blaming him for the lack of success in the postseason, then you're just fucking dumb. And you like like just go just go learn just go research. Just go research. Like it's it's that easy. It's 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 ownership not giving Billy Bean money to make moves. That's what it is. It's so it's a combination of Billy and it's a combination of ownership. That's the reason why. When now, you get into the play hold on, when you get into the playoffs, you have to have veteran leadership you have to have been there to be able to handle the moment and to be able to deal with it so like it, it and to be able to to step up in big moments and and we have never had that we've always had a young team always so like to me that's that's where the lack of success has come from it's 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 that simple it's really that simple yeah now do you think you're a little biased because you're a Cal guy. <laughs> uh, no, I didn't. I mean, I didn't even. I didn't even know that. Uh, that he like. I didn't even know that he went to Cal until like two years into him managing. To be honest with you, you dude, that's like the one of the biggest things about him. Oh, he's always bringing in different Cal guys because he's from Cal. I mean, okay, so there's only two. There's, there's Mark Canna and there's and there's uh, Marcus. Marcus Simeon. And I feel like there's there's somebody else. Uh. Grant, and didn't Grant Holmes go to Cal? I could be wrong. I don't think so. Grant Holmes or Caprillion, one of those two guys went to Cal. I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily say that. But I just. I just like the. I just like him. I like what he does, and I like the how he handles things and the way he. Um. Yeah, I mean, just the the way he like has put together these teams and the way he's like utilized. Like, I mean, he was one of the first managers that really like that uh started utilizing the bullpen and and being very strategic with it. I feel like he was one of the guys who kind of like changed that entire like uh what's the word I'm looking for? era of baseball, which I think that era is kind of more or less starting to fade out a little bit, but um after the Nats won the World Series last year with starting pitching, but still I anyway, I don't want to get too far into it, yeah, but it's yeah. just Anyways, they can fuck off. He's great. Um, uh Go ahead. I was well, yeah, so with that being said, uh, he's planning on, so if you're looking forward to, uh, this is going to be not, let me start from the beginning here. This isn't going to be an ordinary episode where we're going to close out and preview the week because, to be honest, there's not too much to look forward to when in terms of these games come up. It's more or less going to be, if we're going to be two or three seed. Uh, but another thing, too, is you're not going to be seeing the consistent guys in the everyday lineups. He's already come out and said that you saw it tonight with Matt Olson taking the night off and then coming in or tonight as a Wednesday, uh, Matt Olson taking the night off and coming in for eighth inning mm-hmm. defensive replacement. 
So just be aware of that. We're Chris and I already talked about the playoff seating. We're going to get a little bit more into that in the future, but you'll see when. Uh, but it's it's exciting. I know it's been this sluggish way to get there over the last couple of weeks with everything that's been going on with this team. But they've they've done it. They've they've got to where what was ultimately one of the steps they wanted to get to, one of the goals of their season. I mean, we could talk about the playoff seating now. I mean, as it is, uh, as it is, I mean, we're we're going to talk more in depth about it later on in another episode, but but we can talk about what it currently is at at the moment. So, like right now, we're the number 2 seed, which you know, first thought it's like, "Oh, hey, that's great. We're the number 2 seed. Like, cool, we get a better matchup." But as we alluded to earlier, we don't so as it is right now, we would have to play the first wild card spot team, which is the Cleveland Indians. The three seed is the sweet spot. That's where you want to be because that's where you would play the Houston Astros in the first round. So there's four games uh, left in the season, um, potentially four. We, I mean, they might not even play the doubleheader on Saturday. But if they do, there's four games left in the season. We'll see what happens. Um Man, playing the Indians in the first round would fucking blow. Um, I just i i would i, I would yeah, I, I would rather be the one seed or be the three seed. Yeah, abs. I do not. That's the one team I do not want to run into now. Not just because of well, Shane Bieber is going to win the Cy Young AL easily. Um, Jose Ramirez is getting a lot of MVP talk. They rotate. They arguably have the best rotation going into a three-game series. There's a lot to go through right now. They have what's probably going to be the Cy Young winner in Shane Beaver. It, it, yeah, yeah. Beaver, he's going to win it. And I think, in my honest opinion, I think he should be the AL MVP because of... Uh, Shout-out to Mason Livingston real quick, actually, because in our one of our baseball chats, we're in, he has him on his fantasy team. The least amount of strikeouts he's had in a game all season has been eight. Wow. Eight strikeouts. So he has been the best pitcher in all of baseball throughout this whole season. And when you have to win two games and one of those games is going to be against that guy, it's a little terrifying. Yeah. Again, I we're going to try not to get premature into this. We'll talk a little bit more later. Uh, but just got to keep this in mind. But besides ace playoffs news, very exciting stuff. Very happy. We're probably going to have to get some gear at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a roster move, and it was with Daniel Mengden. If you guys remember a few weeks back. I mean, we kind of uh, had a roster move, technically, but not really. Yeah, a, a, a roster move to the basement, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, if you guys remember a few weeks back, I said uh, one of the my essential tool was the A's bullpen, yada, yada, yada. Well, looks like Danny Magden was an odd man out. After clearing COVID protocols, he was DFA'd. Nobody picked him up, and he's back to AAA. So there he is. He's, he, we're probably not going to see him in an A's uniform again. No, yeah, uh, probably not. Yeah, but Fossey and Korak brought up a pretty good point the other night. Uh, Liam Hendricks was DFA'd, and nobody picked him up. Yeah. And look what happened. But... Daniel Magnan also kind of sucks as a person. Uh, we're not going to get too far into it. But if you just go look at his Twitter accounts and the stuff he likes, you'll figure it out. 
And not next to, thing, not to yeah, get too yeah, political. Yeah. That's just the personal opinions of the host of this podcast. Uh, yes, and yes, you yes. have uh, every this right is the to opinion believe. Opinion of Julio Reynoso, not the town token. Yeah, you have every right to believe in whatever you want to, uh, and we do not discriminate against you. We want that to be known right now. Exactly. Uh, more exciting news. This was a very polarizing week again for Chris and I when it comes to ESPN broadcasting. Uh, Monday night, dude. the Monday night, the Raiders were on Monday Night Football, opening their brand new stadium in Las Vegas. Awesome game, mm-hmm. awesome stadium. Really made a lot of people talk. And then the night after, the A's were on ESPN against the Dodgers and got their ass kicked. But then but today, hold on. Talk about that. But then today, they they did really well against the Dodgers on MLB Network. Yes, not as big of an audience, but still on national television. Yes, yes, but that was also the Dodgers broadcast. Yes. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah. um, we're here to talk about how bad ESPN was broadcasting. They brought out, dude. So they brought out more or less the B squad, except for Boog. Boog. I mean, actually, yeah, Boog is the B squad. What am I talking about? Because the A squad would would have been. I mean, okay. So let's let's just. Can I just break this down before we go into it? Can I just break this down into like tiers? So the the A squad for ESPN broadcasting as they see it, is because this is the Sunday Night Baseball crew. Matt Vaskersian, A-Rod, and Jessica Mendoza. That's fine. ESPN's entitled to their opinion. They run their network, so that's great. They think that that's their A squad. And technically, they're... Matt, if he is the best. The other... They're technically their B squad is Carl Ravitch and Eduardo Perez. That's my A squad. I love great. I love Carl Ravitch I, I, and Eddie Perez. Uh, I would put them ahead only because we love Vaskersian. Vaskersian's a you know fellow A's fan, um, yeah. Oakland Oakland legend. Um, well, not legend, but Oakland great <laughs> from here. Um, Somebody from Oakland. Yeah, and, and on like <laughs> on his player on the players' weekend broadcast, he always wears an A's jersey with his name on the back. It's really cool. Um, but um, A Rod is terrible. I'm not a fan personally of Jessica Mendoza. Say what you will about her. Which is kind of, which is kind of disparaging with A Rod because A Rod is so good in studio. Yeah, he's he, great when, in studio. When he was doing the TBS in studio, when it was him, Frank Thomas, and Pete Rose, Fox. that was lights out. Like that was on I, Fox, or was it Fox? Yeah, either, sorry, sorry. Um, they were so good. I'm like, this is something that baseball's needed for so long, mm-hmm. and guess what? It got abandoned. Um, but it sucks because like we're both like we we were texting about it. We both love Boog. Boog's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, Boog has kept us in the early days of quarantine back in May and June when we were just religiously watching Korean baseball. Yeah. Boog was our guy because he knew everything about it. So it was so disappointing when we have um, Boog, all-time great, one of my one of my favorite players growing up, Chipper Jones, as well as... Um, you have to remind me who the third pitcher was. I forgot who it was. It's some old dude. I forgot who it was too. Sorry. I'll, I'll look it up in a second. But they just were so bad. I understand that, yes, it, it is Los Angeles. It is one of the biggest markets. I didn't hear a single thing. About the A's. Well, throughout the whole not thing. about the A's it, in terms of like in terms of like starting opening the conversation about the A's. It was mostly about the Dodgers in relation to the A's, <laughs> like comparing them or something or some bullshit. Yeah, it was a lot of like, hey, nineteen eighty eight. 
Like, look. And and also, I was a little spicy when all that was going on because I just went on Twitter and on our, our Twitter site and was just like, is Kirk Gibson's home run overrated? And I just stood on there. I was just frustrated. Mm-hmm. Like, this is annoying. And, of course, everybody had their own. The poll was like, majority was yes. But, of course, we're a little biased. Um, but also, the A's and Dodgers met in the World Series in the early 70s, and that was a whole different story. Yeah. And they've, there's been a lot of great games against that, and it's just like they it, – it to me, it just seems like they didn't do their homework. No. They didn't no. do a great job at all. And, and like, it, yeah, and they, they didn't know any of the players. They, like, every single player on the Dodgers, they're like, he's he's a really good player. He's going to be really someone to, to watch. And, like, you know, Sean Murphy comes with the bat, and it's just radio silence. Like, they don't know any of the stats. Like, they don't know that this kid in the past week and a half is hitting three fifty. Like, it's just, come on, dude. Come on. It was Rick Sutcliffe. Oh, Rick Sutcliffe. That's cool. Was a, again, <laughs> good pitcher on his own, but... But also, oh, he played for the Dodgers. That makes and, sense. And the reason why we say uh, good things about Carl Ravitch and Eddie Perez is because they happened to um, call the opening day game on ESPN this year, and it was pretty much the Oakland A's. It was pretty much the opposite. It was the Oakland A's shows, but that's also because they were playing um, the Angels. There wasn't really much to talk about. Um, but, well, Mike Tra- There's a lot to talk about the Angels, but, but it's just like they're not as a a better they're not a better team than the A's obviously yeah it's just you could just tell that that certain guys on their broadcast A-Rod that's the biggest issue with him he doesn't do his homework he just kind of like talks out of his ass and you can tell he tries to he tries to throw in hot takes there in order to get like in order to get retweets and stuff like that Eduardo Perez and Carl Ravage they just know their sh- they're just professionals they know their stuff and 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 they enjoy the game of baseball so they 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 watch all the all their teams and so I don't know it's just it was frustrating and you would think that Boog, being yeah. consummate pro, would try and like veer the conversation towards both ways, but he didn't. It felt like he was veering the conversation strictly to the Dodgers. That was the most upsetting part about it. Yeah, and uh, and it's again, we we know how great this team is. I think the whole country knows how great the Dodgers are. They've been the best team, and obviously they do deserve this attention because they've been awesome for the last decade. They've done nothing but great. But it's like when you have another team who. By the way, the A's have the second most playoff appearances in the last decade next to the Dodgers, mm-hmm. and you can't even say a single thing about them besides the time where they met the Dodgers in the World Series 32 years ago. It was a little embarrassing. And Chris and I went on a whole tangent about ESPN broadcasting and how, uh, for most of the part, NBA broadcasting is pretty great. Mark Jackson sucks. We have our own biases. But, like, Doris Burke's the freaking best. Yeah. Um, Jeff, Jeff Van Gundy, we awesome. love, yeah. And then on top NFL. of that, their play-by-play, Mark Breen's amazing. Uh, Mark Jones is fantastic. All their guys, Bang! yeah, yeah. NFL, they got, they figured out Monday Night Football was not great with Jason Wynn, and I couldn't remember who was with them booger. last year. Oh, the Booger Mobile, R.I.P. Uh, but they switched it up with Brian Greasy, uh, Steve Levy, and Lewis Riddick, and so far so good. I know some people are a little polarizing, but. Why can't you do this for baseball? Yeah, I know. How hard is it? I know dude? week one for Monday Night Football. Just real quick, just quick football minute on this podcast. I know this is a baseball podcast. Um, I know Brian Greasy, uh, Lewis Riddick, and Steve Levy didn't get much love on opening weekend of Monday Night Football because honestly, they were. It's a ten o'clock game. Not a lot of people watched them, 
and uh, Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreit did the first game. So obviously they're going to get a lot more praise. Those guys are pros. They've been they've had chemistry for 20 years. So of course they're great. Yeah. But uh, I was really impressed this week at the Raider game with 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 those three guys. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, Absolutely. Uh, all right, let's move on though. <laughs> that's the football yeah, minute. That's our tangent. Yeah, our tangent. But we're gonna we're, we're gonna celebrate. We're gonna have an yeah. You got a you got a cool little stat in here, Julio. You wanna you wanna tell the audience? Hell yeah, man! Today, August twenty third, September is actually September twenty third anniversary. Crap, quarantine. <laughs> September twenty third. Uh, today, September twenty third is the ninth anniversary of. A movie that is near and dear to our hearts, to Oakland A's fans' hearts, and one of the best baseball movies ever, Moneyball. We don't want to get too far into it, but we're going to say our favorite quotes. Chris, throw me your favorite Moneyball quote right oh, here. Dude, that is so I mean, hard. I have this in the show notes. You, you Come on. No, I know, but I mean, you added it last minute. To be fair, um, okay, okay. I, right. There's so many. I mean, I'm gonna. I'm. Uh, I don't want to take the obvious one, um, which is one that I quote regularly. It's hard not to be romantic about baseball. Um, Aaron Zorkin, man. Aaron Zorkin. <laughs> yeah, dude. Um, but there is there is another one that I that I uh, that I deeply deeply loved. And I think it's a little bit underrated. Um, it's when he's meeting with the owner of the Red Sox and the owner of Red Sox says, or he, he says, uh, fuck. What does Billy say to him? He says, uh, um, I can't remember. You say yours and I'll, 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 I'll think about it. Well, while you go. Oh shit. Okay. Cause what, what Billy says to him is important to set up the quote. That's why I'm going at three. Okay. They're super quick. Cool. He's a picking machine. Oh, it's a good one. That was a quote in the book. That so that 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 quote got famous from the book. So they had to put it in the movie. That was like the big story behind that. Like he Billy actually did that at spring training. Eat first base is easy to play. Tell him, Wash. It's incredibly hard. Yeah, that's a good one. And three, dead silence. Billy being the in the locker room. That's what losing sounds like. He plays that role just so well in that movie. Arguably, we'll do our we, we should just I think an off season we'll just do a whole thing about <laughs> Moneyball movie. That's arguably like his best role. I know he won an Oscar for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and he deserved it, but I think that was his best acting role. Could not agree more. Could not agree more. Um All right, you have the time. What do you got? So I, I can't remember what he says, but um uh his response to him You've had the time where you could have Googled it. While I was talking. Because I was trying to be a good com- converser and, like, listen to what you're saying and react. Okay. okay uh, well, okay, another okay. one that's good that's not the one I was thinking of is um, uh, when you get the answer you're looking for, you hang up, um, which I do to my friends. I don't do to, like, actual people. <laughs> I do to my friends as a joke. My friends aren't actual people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, suck. Now, see, now I'm blanking on what... On what um, on what fucking John, what's his face says? Uh, all right, it's not important. Uh, John Henry. John Henry. Yeah, he says something about like, uh, who cares what baseball likes, doesn't like, like it, whatever they. Uh, uh, if people aren't tearing down their team and remodeling based off of your model, they're dinosaurs, and that's why the Red Sox are going to be sitting here 
the World Series champions 2004. Blah, blah, blah. And it actually happened. They actually became the World Series champions. So it was kind of interesting. All right. We're going to move on. You put me on the spot. And you added that note right before we went on. It's not really fair. Sorry. Um, still, if you haven't, I, I rewatched the beginning of quarantine. Still an excellent movie. Fun fact about also, that movie. Um, the rewatchable is a very famous podcast from the ringer. That was the second rewatchable <laughs> done because Billy, Bill Simmons is a huge fan of that movie. So, uh, if you ever want to learn, know more about the background of that film and how it was made and all that stuff, um, you should go check out that podcast. It's really good. What were you gonna say? Also another, another fun fact, uh, and Whitney's sister, uh, one of her good friends in high school, middle school, growing up, uh, that is her parents' house that they film. That's Billy Bean's ex-wife. No way! No that's fucking random as shit. Um. Okay. Oh, shit. All right. Let's talk about some recaps. Essential recaps, baby. Yeah. Hold on. Let's uh. Let's recap the fall, the past week real quick though. Yeah. Um. So the Giants. Um. Uh, we they they played at AT and T. Um. The 18th, September 18th, they won six to zero, pretty handsomely. Then. Again on Saturday, six to zero once again. Then on Sunday they lost two to fourteen. Um, I don't know, probably a bit of a hangover a little bit. Um, and then this week, of course, we talked about a little bit earlier. They lost the Dodgers yesterday, the twenty second, two to seven. But then a big comeback win this week. Ramon Laureano, um, ninth inning, uh, top of the ninth inning uh, comeback, home run, two run home run to win six to four. Um, they play the Dodgers tomorrow, and then they play the Mariners this weekend. All home games, maybe a doubleheader on Saturday. We'll see. That's the coming week. Since we're not doing it later, I just wanted to cover that while we're going through the schedule. Um, all right. So, Julio, your essential tailgate tool of the week last week was who? Matt Olson, And he was not great. <laughs> 17 at-bats. Uh, he had four hits, one home run, four RBIs, one whack, one walk, and a whack. whopping, whopping ten strikeouts. Uh, he is struggling pretty hard at the plate, um, which is really disparaging considering that he's uh, he's usually been pretty dominant against right-handed pitching. A lot of the guys he's been facing have been right-handed, yeah, and he's just not having the plate discipline that we've seen. Um, I know the team likes to free swing a lot, but they also like to battle and count and they like to get on base and walk and all that mm. stuff. And he's just not doing a great job of it right now. And dude, it could it, be- it, like the, the most frustrating thing about it is Bob Melvin still puts him at the cleanup spot at the number four hole. Like if he's playing, if he's hitting this bad, move him down the lineup. It drives me crazy. Actually, I'm sorry. I didn't update this. He also had an at-bat tonight, and then I think he gets blank trident. He had 18 at-bats and 11 strikeouts. <laughs> sorry. Uh, and that's something that we, we didn't really get, really get a chance to talk about was during the MLB bro- Network broadcast, uh, the Dodgers were the ones who were calling it, and they had mentioned how, oh, the, the A's have been or 11-11 in the last 22 games. Mm-hmm. Well, what they didn't say was uh, – They've played 20 games in 20 days. What, three doubleheaders? Not to mention the terrible AQI that was going on in Oakland as well as Seattle. And they've only had two days off. So it could be just they're they're kind of spent right now. So And uh, in that time, we've had a shit ton of injuries. So I think that's a sign right there. Exactly. So, again, this series with Seattle, 
don't be surprised if we're going to be seeing Machine and Kemp and Haim kind of taking the whole series. Yeah. Maybe we'll see Pinder back by then. I know his injuries kind of That would be nice. And, that it'd be nice just to kind of get him some more reps before he takes the over postseason. Their, their base. Um, yeah. yeah, but yeah, Matt, not great. How about you, Chris? Uh so mine was Murph, Sean Murphy. He did okay. You know, like he only had one hit in twelve at bats. Um, he struck out four times, but he had four walks too. So it's like there's more good than bad there, you know. Um, it, he wasn't as he wasn't as like um, stunning as he was the week before. I mean, we brought that stat up last week. Um, the past seven days, hit three fifty with like two home runs or something like that, and uh, he he was killing it. But he he's good as long as he's not he's not down, he's not declining at this time. Like like we're good. He'll get some rest. Jonah Heim's probably gonna get some more playing time, like you said this week. He he caught today, but at the same time, Jonah Heim has caught all of Manaya's um, uh, starts since he's Manaya like made his huge comeback this season. Um, I think that's a big part of it. So I would just throw that out there to the listeners um, in the playoffs when Manaya has to start. I would we will probably see Jonah Heim start that game. Um, they clearly have some chemistry, um, but yeah, I mean. I guess he didn't do technically what I had said he needed to do, but he also didn't he didn't hurt the team, you know? He didn't hurt the team. Which is important. I mean Yeah. And it's it's and also he's kind of having the burden of now that he's with Austin Allen getting sent down, he's the man. Yeah. He is more or less going to be the everyday catcher. Mm-hmm. He's shown what he can do. Uh it's just this weird thing going on with this team where, yeah, I understand we've been in this funk and it was, it has been a little frustrating and we're not guys, we're not trying to make excuses for them because they're adults and they do this for a living. But you got to be aware that the, there's probably been so much going on with how much they've had to play with how bad the air quality is and all this. And on top of the COVID stuff, it's a little stressful. Yeah, and I did want to bring up one thing that me and you texted about in the Bassett start. So it was towards the end of his start. I think it was like the seventh inning. Um, Bassett began the inning, and, um, you know, he hadn't really been shaking off Murphy the entire game, but he started shaking him off at the beginning of that inning. So Murphy clearly saw something about his pitches and was trying to steer Bassett towards, like, doing what he was. He was losing some – so Bassett was losing control a little bit. So I think – Certain pitches weren't weren't landing in the spots that he was looking for. I couldn't recognize which ones they were. Um, so you could tell that Murphy was kind of leaning him towards going towards some pitches because they are hitting, and he was walking guys. So he walked two batters in a row, and then he gave up a hit. And, and the next at-bat, um, he uh, he stopped shaking him off. So I think you could tell that Bassett finally like figured out. I don't know if he yelled it to him or, or something like that because they didn't stop and meet. So I don't know what it was, but he you could tell that somehow Bassett figured it out that, okay, certain pitches aren't landing. That's why he's he's giving me these signs first. And he started doing it, and then he gets one, two, three. He gets three outs in a row. Like, like, it, like they just go down easily. So I thought that was a little weird because I remember, I remember while it was happening, I texted you. I'm like, hey, what's going on with this? Do you think, like, they're just is, – is this the reason why, like, why, like, Jonah Heim is catching for, for Manaya? Like, is he just not getting chemistry? Is he not – are they not – they're not on the same page, and then instantly it just changed like that. I think it was just something about 
It was probably, honestly, it's probably just ego from Bassett. That's really probably what it was. Yeah. And that's something like, that's great to see that their pit, the rotation, the pitchers overall are going to have that confidence in yeah. Murphy as a rookie. Because when we get into the postseason, if you just look at the track record of every team that's won a World Series over the last decade or so, uh, even if they're not the the Buster Posey's, the Yadier Molina's, where you know their bat's going to come and help them as well, they're still freaking command the games. Yeah. And if you have the confidence in your rookie catcher to still do that, that's excellent. So it sucks he hasn't great offensive week, but I think we have the trust in him that he can still steer the rotation. All right, Julio. So it's time for player of the week. Who is your player of the week? You already said his name. And oh, I, did, huh? I was going somebody I was gonna go somebody else and I think you're gonna take that somebody else. But I finally came around to it. I can't believe it took me this long. Chris Bassett mm-hmm. was oh, lights yeah. out against the Giants. He pitched uh uh six and two thirds innings, three hits, seven strikeout, three walks, no earned runs. Um it sounds like he's probably going to be the game two starter from the way things are going to be lining up because he's going to be pitching Friday against Seattle. But to me, um, he should be pitching game one. It's I think he deserves it. He's been the best pitcher throughout the whole season. And Chris, as much as I hate to say it, because... You're so goddamn stubborn at times, <laughs> but you were right, dude. I and I call him I, like I, a scene. I, I I I want I want to see if Mason agrees with me on this. If that Chris Bassett has been really and even Slusser Susan Slusser the other day the goat was saying like he's been a freaking revelation this year. He's been the best pitcher. So it's funny you say that about Mason because I happened to text him this past weekend about this. Okay. Okay. Um. Throwing it in his face. So, what I said was... Hold on. Let me find it. No, I can't find it. Um. Anyway, so I, I, I couldn't find it. Um. But I, I texted him, like, kind of talking shit about it. Um. And he still basically was very stubborn to his point. And he said that Chris Bassett, uh, though he has played well and he's happy for him, he's still not the guy that he wants to go into a playoff series with. So... You know, whatever, Mason. If you're gonna be stubborn like that, then uh, then it is what it is. Um, anyway, uh, great pick, love it. Um, I don't know if I want him to start the first game. I I really like. I think Lazardo is our best pitcher, so like he's the guy. Though he is a rookie, he is the kind of the guy I would trust in that game one. Game two, definitely. Game three, probably Manaya. Um. Yeah, it, it'd be inter- It it'd be kind of weird for Manaya to be in the two if you're going to have Lazardo being the one just for the sake of like back-to-back lefties. No, I said I said we'll Bassett two. I said Bassett two, Manaya three. Uh sorry, sorry, yeah. sorry. It cut it had cut out. Yeah, yeah, I think that that'll work. Yeah. Um but yeah, that's my guy. Who what about you, Chris? So my player of the week is Ramon Laureano, strictly because oh. he had an amazing game. I was going to pick Listella, which I we should give Listella credit. He was great this week. He only struck out once, um, and he added a lot of RBIs. But 
Ramona because today he just fucking killed it and he had He's he just Italian. he just I know I know but I like saying it with the Italian accent. Um he just fucking <laughs> Italian is is uh, you know Latin is uh, partly a descent of of Italian. I mean, just you're not wrong but yeah. Or Italian is a part of Latin and then Spanish is a part of Latin as well. Anyway. Um he had a great game today, so I want to show him some love. He had two big um, RBI series, so he had a huge double that got two runs on in the beginning of the game, and then he, um, and then he had that massive home run today. He's hitting better, which is he's starting to get a little bit hot at the right time, right when we need him going in the playoffs, and that's the most important thing. Lestella is going to be hot. He he's Mister Consistent. He never he never has a bad day. So I'm not worried about him. It's it's Ramon, especially with Chab out. Ramon is so important, and we need him. So that's my player of the week. All right. So who I thought who who I thought you were going to say was our new guy, Rake Lamb. Bah. <laughs> I thought about Dude, it. He had I thought about it as well. Three sixteen the last week. Yeah. Six RBIs. Yeah. That and that home run against the Giants was really nice. Um, I thought about it. I thought about it, but yeah, he's he's been a revelation. But he only really had like. Two, he only had like one and a half good games, so I just couldn't like get myself to, to yeah, do it. Yeah, but still, ni- ni- yeah, but nineteen at bats with, with having a three sixteen average. That's still, it's a pretty good like welcome to Oakland debut. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Good job, good job, Jay Lamb. Um, all right, so we are gonna take a quick break, and we'll come right back with our feature segment this week, which should be a fun one. So don't leave. Uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back. Oh. All right, everybody. Second half of the podcast. Um, this week's segment should be a lot of fun. Um, with the regular season more or less um, ending, uh, well, over, but ending this coming weekend, uh, we have decided to do the regular season awards which are going to be called the azs because uh we can't think of a better name right now to call these awards so uh julio the first ever town tailgate azs exactly it it was uh, a little of an inspiration we had the emmys this past week which mm-hmm. uh shout out to the best show on tv succession if you're not watching succession get on it Crit- wait do you watch succession i don't know if we ever talked about this how dare you? Of course, I watch Succession. Succession. Bore on the floor. Did you? Uh, did you also? Fantastic did you hear that? Show. Yeah. Did you? He- I heard that Shit's Creek actually went home with a bunch of awards too. Yeah, Shit's Creek swept, and honestly, that show's fantastic too. So, uh, again, both excellent shows, and also The Watchmen won a bunch. If you had, if you haven't watched, all three of those shows are great. If you didn't watch those in quarantine, then uh, now is the time to do it. Now that's got all the awards. Uh, okay, cool. So the first award, again, all these awards, um, they're going to be named after um, uh, uh, former Oakland A's players, so we'll explain all that stuff. Uh, the first award we are going to do is um, the Rookie of the Year Award, a.k.a. the Houston Street Award. So Woo. we thought actually a lot about this last night. We thought long and hard because, you know, the A's have been very lucky. We've had a lot of Rookie of the Years, but not a lot of those Rookie of the Years have panned out. A lot of one-and-dones. Ben Grieve. Uh, Bobby Crosby, um, Andrew Bailey had like a decent two-year run, three-year run, something like that, whatever. But um, anyway, it goes on. The list goes on and on. Um, 
obviously Mark McGuire, Jose Canseco, but their name's going to come up later. Um, so we want to think of one who had a really good, long-lasting career, had a really good stint with the A's, Houston Street, um, really good MLB career. So he's the name of this. Julio, who is your Houston Street this year? Well, Chris, um, it was actually a little bit closer than I thought. Maybe some recency bias might have helped a little bit, but we got to oh, go yeah. with our dude, Jesus. He finally Baby Jesus. Jesus Lazardo. He was awesome. Um, he's, I don't know if he's going to win the AL Rookie of the Year. He's got some pretty stiff competition with Luis Roberts and Kyle Lewis over in Seattle, but he for most of the part, lived up to the hype. Uh, he pitched in 11 games. He started nine. He had a 3-2 and two record, uh, 3.86 ERA, as well as a whopping 9.5 strikeouts per nine innings, 14 walks, and 15, uh, 59 strikeouts. Uh, this is just a glimpse of the future with him. Uh, this guy is, and we're probably a little biased, but he's going to be a star. He's got all the stuff there. He's his fastball is already ticking in the late nineties and he's going to be having that great off seed stuff that he's the future of this rotation. And we got to give this award to him. What do you think? This goes, this goes back to your, this goes back to your bold prediction in the first episode of this podcast, where you said that he would win a, a uh, Cy Young award in the next, uh, what'd you say? The next five seasons or something like that. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're not wrong. Yeah, that that's that's that was your prediction. Yeah. Um no, he was mine too. Um for all the reasons that you said. I mean, the fact that we're talking about him to be the ace of a staff going into a playoff series and in in his rookie season, we all kind of expected him to be the ace in the future. We didn't think he'd quite get here yet. We thought maybe like one year of one or one or two years of like Mania or Fires would lead to staff, but he has just jumped in there. He's so fucking good, or Montas too, and it's been great to watch. I'm very happy with it. He was mine too, but I mean, we could sh- well, let's give we'll give Murphy some love. He's been good. He had a very slow start, reasonably so. Still kind of getting used to this team and pitching staff and whatnot, but he's come guns and blazing um, in the second half. I just, I hope he consistently keeps doing it. And I hope that the other guys, the other catchers around him, um, stay performing as well to give him some relief every once in a while. Absolutely. Uh, Sean has everything there where he has the tools to be the franchise catcher. He, he has been lights out with calling games. He's been a great hitter. He's yeah. awesome. He has everything there. It's just it's time to let him flourish, and it was really close. I really wanted to pick him too, just because of yeah. how hot he's been. But Jesus, to us at least to me, has really looked like the guy we were expecting. Yeah. All right. So the next award is going to be the Bash Brothers Award. This is for the best slugger of the season. Um. So again, like I said, they're going to come back up later in this later in the. Uh, in the, in the awards. Um, all right, Julio, who's your bash brother? It was uh, it was a little tricky, uh, because in the microscope he hasn't had a great year. But if you looked at him overall, he's been he's still delivered with that power. And it's Matt Olson. He's had 14 home runs, 42 RBIs. Uh, the 193 batting average is again a little spooky. But um, talking with one of my 
good friend, uh, Patrick Ryan, shout out. He's a great, huge Ace fan. We'll get him on here at some point. He's very analytical with this stuff. Uh, the point he was trying to make to me was like, this is such a microcosm of a season that you, you, we know that he's not a below 200 hitter. In yeah. the same way that like, even as much of a cheater Jose Altuve is, even before the cheating, we knew he was a pretty high average hitter. Uh, mm. We can't really hate on him for it. But his power is still there. He has ranked amongst some of the best power hitters in the AL with his, with the home runs and the RBIs, and he's still shown it. And it's been a tough season without the last few weeks not having Matt Chapman around. But he still played his part when you needed him to hit those clutch bombs. He has done it for us. What about you, Chris? Yeah, so mine, I had a feeling that the, the first couple of these were going to be very similar. <laughs> mine is also Matt Olson. It's just because of the 14 home runs. Like, So this award is literally called the Slugger Award. So it's like you have to give it to the guy who hits the most home runs in the team. It's between him and Matt Chapman. So, um, it's pretty insane, too. Think about yeah, it. yeah, with how bad, like, kind of down a years they've had. Um, and, you know, you look at the other guys and you think, like, okay, maybe I'll give it to, like, the best average hitter. Not a lot of good average hitters on this team, at least not that have played for the team the entire season. Like, Lestella is our best average hitter. He came in halfway through. So, yeah, for me, it was Matt Olson for all the same reasons. His, it sucks his average is down, but he still hits bombs. He still hits, hits him out of the park. He's still a presence in the lineup, which is probably the reason why Bob Melvin keeps hitting him number four. Um, yeah, so, yeah. He, he tied for fifth in the AL with RBIs which is pretty fantastic. And then he tied for seventh in the AL with home runs, which he's only two behind the fourth place spot with uh, Nelson Cruz and Mike Trout. So even despite the, the average not being there, I know some people like to say it's kind of like an old school metric. It's still a pretty decent idea. He still lived up to it. Yeah. All right. Next up, we got the catfish award named after the Hall of Famer, one of the best pitchers ever, the best Oakland A starter pitcher ever, Jim Catfish Hunter. This award goes to the best pitcher of the season. Um, we'll see how we're going to go with this one. Uh, Chris, go ahead and lead it off with this. Liam Hendricks. He's been the best closer in baseball all season. He has been just absolutely fucking domination. Every time he goes out on the mound, I, I just know that we're not we're going to win. I know we're not going to lose. He's just so fucking good. Um, it's highly likely he won't be on the team next year, so we're gonna we gotta get as much out of him as we can. It's def it's Liam Hendricks. It's not even close to me. So here's the thing. Um, I'm gonna oh, I'll talk a little bit later about Liam, but I'm going Chris Bassett. Ooh, I like I'm, it. I'm going Chris Bassett. I'll explain why later with the Liam stuff. Um. Uh, 10 games pitch, 5 and 2 record, 2.75 or 2.57 ERA, 49 strikeouts, 17 walks. He's got 7.9 strikeouts per 9 innings. Um if I'll be honest, if you would have told either of us in July, beginning of July or June that Chris Bassett would kind of be our ace, we'd, we'd be pretty shocked. So, yeah. he's really lived up to it um i know if pretty early in this season we're taught mace and i were weren't on board with the bassett train but uh after this last start he's really showed like this he's been the best pitcher this season 
And I think he deserves the recognition of that, at least from my end. And Chris Bassett, you are my catfish winner of Seabass. All right, so the next award is going to be ass, the, <laughs> the <laughs> kick his ass, Seabass. This is a very funny award. So the next award is the Matt Holiday Award for the most disappointing player of the season. Um, as most of you know, big blockbuster trade that Billy Bean made back in 2008 for Matt Holiday, and he was fucking awful. He was a huge disappointment, and we traded him to the Cardinals. Kind of worked out. Um, Rockies so, for the Rockies. Traded him to the Cardinals, though. Or to the Cardinals, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, right. and it kind of worked out. We got Gio, or we got uh, uh, Carlos Gonzalez, I think, out of that or something like that. Anyway, doesn't matter. Um, nope. Yeah. Uh, who's your uh, most disappointing player, Julio? Uh, it's not ne- – this one's tricky. Not necessarily disappointing statistically-wise, mm-hmm. but, like, what we could have been. And as I hate to say it, AJ Puck. Mm-hmm. If AJ Puck would have been healthy and been in the same sort of rotational spot as Lazardo has been, uh, I don't think there's any doubt in our minds, and I think with a lot of fans' minds as well, that we would probably have the best rotation in the American League. Yeah, and there's we would probably be the best team in the American League if the hype that we've had for him for the last few years, we've been talking about him a lot on the pod. We saw what he was able to do in the short term as relief pitcher last year for the A's. And we didn't get to see it because the injuries hampered into us. And now we're kind of faced with the reality of like, what is the future going to be with him? Yeah. Is he going to be able to sustain a full 162 as a starter? Is he going to be a starter, to be a bullpen guy yeah is he primed to be a bullpen guy is he does he even have a chance with this rotation anymore so it's disappointing for the sake as as great as the a's have been this year um what we could have been if he was there is what disappoints me so again it's a weird thing not necessarily any specific player we want to call out there are some guys i'd like to call out but i think we really could have been something really special if he stayed healthy what about you chris I, I am going to call out one of those guys that you would like to call out. Matt Chapman, a hu- uh, hugely disappointing season. Oh! I mean, yeah, yeah, hugely disappointing season. I mean, before he went down, and, and, and look, for any team, when your best player goes down, it's definitely going to hurt. But he, he's been fucking awful. Like, I, defensively, maybe not so much. I don't think Matt Chapman can ever be awful defensively, but, like, yeah, he had 10 home runs, but he couldn't fucking he he didn't get hits in big moments when we needed it. He was the opposite of clutch. He just struck out. His average was terrible. We're talking about a top 10 maybe 15 player in this in this league. Like th- and this was the season where we were going to really like take the reins of the division and like show like the entire country what we could do, and he just completely shit the bed, and it's extremely disappointing. When your best player is that bad, I feel like it's 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 a disappointment. Just like just like um just like like how Cespedes was disappointing in 2013. Like you know like it's just you, you expect him to showcase who he is and like really be like a a a national figure, and he wasn't. And yeah, I'm fucking disappointed, Julio. I'm disappointed in Matt Chapman. Interesting. I was thinking. Uh, 
my runner-up was going to be Chris Davis because of I didn't want to go with the obvious. There was a lot of uh, yeah. Well, there was a lot of preseason buzz for the sake of he's back healthy, he's seeing the ball better, and all this mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and now he's just there's a there's a reality where he's not even might not make it to the playoff roster. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Little. It's a little. Either way, that's actually somebody that. I think because we have rose-tinted glasses on Matt Chapman because of all the great things he does in the field, we kind of forget about that. And who knows? I, but either way, look, we still love all these guys. Yeah. They're yeah, all yeah. of our boys. We only hate on them because we expect the best out of them. This wasn't a Anyways, fun award. I wasn't like looking award? forward. I wasn't uh, looking forward to saying this award, but it's just it's an award, and we have to give it out. It's constructive no, criticism. Ex- I don't know if it's an if it's an an acknowledgement. We'll call that one more of an acknowledgement than an award. Thank you. All right. Uh, the next one we have here, we're gonna go with this is a combo name, the Ricone slash Die Award, which is also known as the best acquisition. Which player throughout the off season or throughout the season has made the biggest impact on the team? The same way that. Ricard Raccoon did because of the money ball stuff, as well as Jermaine Die and how awesome he was those couple years he was with the Ace. I think we're going to agree on this one again. Why do you say that? La Stella! So he's not mine. I think for the... Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm going Tommy La Stella. Mm-hmm. Uh, for a minute, I I was really considering Tony Kemp just because again the versatility, he the obviously we didn't expect much of him hitting wise, but being able to have a consistent second baseman who can at least get the job done was something that the A's really needed in this offseason. He filled that spot pretty well for the time he was there, and he added the luxury of being able to swipe some bases for the A's, which is something that's been kind of underrated with the team, that they're actually been in a pretty decent uh, stealing base team, which is something we haven't had in ages. But Tommy LaStella, man, through 21 games as an Oakland A, he's hitting 282. He has, he's batting, uh, he has an OP, uh, on-base percentage of 360, 11 RBI, six extra base hits, and he struck out two times. Two. He struck out tonight, and that was only the second time he has done it. He has been as much as losing Matt Chapman is hurt the team. Him sliding in and being able to be dependable at the top of the lineup, hitting in the one, two spot or three spot at times, it really has gave Bowmel the flexibility of work with what works best in your kind of lineup kind of thing. I hope we can find a way to bring him back. He's going to be free agent in the offseason. Bring him back for at least another year or two. We'll see what happens. But he has been great. I hope that he's going to be a big role in the next month or so. And that was my guy. For the I think about you, I think there's a I think there's a world in where we could sign him to like a three year like eight million dollar a year deal. Like I think that's I think that's a I think that's a reasonable like contract for him that he would maybe be willing to take so i think there's i think there's definitely a possibility so like a three-year like 20 24 million dollar deal i think i think that's uh 
I think my math's right. Yeah, I think that's I think that's pretty reason potentially yeah, reasonable. That, uh, well, we gotta well, there's always money in the banana stand, so we'll see. <laughs> All right, so mine was uh, I didn't want to pick Listello for the obvious reasons. I mean, he was the big trade deadline acquisition. So uh, mine was Tony Kemp for the reasons you said the versatility. He really stepped up to the plate, especially not having the second base situation figured out because there was no spring training to really like battle it out. But also the cultural impact that he had on both the team and the league, I thought was really important and something that should be like brought up and is understated. Um, what he did for Black Lives Matter and how the team really got behind him and how you could tell that he really got to the organization so much that to this day there is a Black Lives Matter logo on the back of the pitcher's mound. Um, a lot of teams have sold out and sold that to an advertiser, but the A's have chosen not to. And I think a big reason is because Tony Kemp has been so vocal about how much, you know, it means to him being, you know, being a black person growing up in America, I can imagine why, but he's been great. And, uh, I, I love what he brings to the team and also moving forward in the future, what his versatility brings, um, you know, with situations at certain positions coming up, especially, you know, some guys potentially leaving, hopefully not Marcus, but potentially Marcus, um, you know, uh, Piscotti's contract is up in two years. Canna's contract is up in two years. So things like that. Um, so it's been great. He's been, he's been great. All right. So next award. Again, okay. actually 1000% with Tony Kemp when it comes to what he's done culturally for this, not just the team, but really across baseball. He was actually the A's nominee for the Roberto Clemente award. Yeah. Um, if you don't know what the Roberto Clemente award, it is for, uh, each team gets to nominate a player who's really been ex- shown extraordinary character, community involvement, philanthropy, positivity contributions on off the field, like the all time great, one of the best ever, Roberto Clemente. Uh, he was the A's nominee. Um, mm. Chris kind of pointed out to it with the having the Black Lives Matter still on the pitching mound. His organization, the Effect Plus One Effective, is an initiative. They've raised money for Campaign Zero, which is going towards decreasing police violence. And if you watch a lot of the pregame stuff, not just with the A's, but across baseball, you'll see a lot of the guys that he's played with throughout the years have been wearing the shirt. Even one of our, somebody we we talk shit on a lot, Alex Bregman, was Mm -hmm. wearing it. Um, So he's really, he really embodies Oakland and and crazy as a year this has been, I think we really should appreciate guys like him to know how much they do, not just for the game as a whole, but for the city as well. So that's a yeah, that's a great call. I really especially love playing for a city for with that, especially playing in a city like Oakland, which is predominantly black. So like having that impact and showing that to the world is a uh, really you know important because it represents that city so well. Um, all right, so the next award is um, – are we, we're going to do this award next. All right, cool, fine. Uh, the Bob Melvin Award goes to the best Bob. So basically it goes to Bob Melvin. Great job. Thanks for being a amazing manager. <laughs> do you have anything more to say than that? Way to go, Bob. Uh, we just wanted to do an award specifically for him. The best Bob, yes. Uh, other nominees were Bobby Kilty. I don't know what he's up to. <laughs> He was awesome 06, and I love his hair. Um, Bobby Crosby. Actually, Bobby Crosby, 
don't be shocked if we see him in the A's dugout within the next few years because he's actually been doing a great job with the minor league squad. So don't be shocked if you see him back in that dugout as a part of the coaching staff. But right now, Bob Melvin's the best Bob. There's no real competition there. That was kind of our joke award, and we thought it was great because he's pretty underrated. Our next award here, though, we got the Coco Crisp Award. We got the Bernie Lean here going. <laughs> the Coco Crisp Award goes to the most clutch player. We thought Coco because he had some extraordinary walk-ups in the 2012 season as in the regular season as well as the postseason stuff that's really stuck with our minds to this day and probably will for the rest of our lives. This word goes to the most clutch players of the season. Chris, who do you got? We might agree Ramon Aloriano. We'll we keep ah. forgetting about all the clutch moments he had in the beginning, the first month of the season. Ever since he, you know, ever since he got a suspension, he's been a little bit slow, but he showed it again tonight how clutch he can be with his two-run homer in the top of the ninth. But at the beginning of the season, it was just fucking clutch hit after clutch hit. His timely hitting, timely hitting. That's that's the name of this of this award, and that's what he's done. And he also had that huge catch today, the Mookie Betts rob in in center field. He's my clutch player. Who's yours? I'm going with my dude representing Pleasanton, California, from the East Bay, Stephen Piscotty. It's a good he one. He was he had two big moments this year that really stood out to me. One, he had the walk-off grand slam against the Texas Rangers. That's was a point. 1-1 game. Huge game. Two, he hit the game-tying. This is one of the best moments of the year. We'll talk about that later. Game-tying grand slam against the Giants. When I was ready to turn off the game, I was like, hey, bases are chucked. Let's see if he does it again. And he did it again. It, he, I'll talk about him a little bit more later. Uh, but he is somebody that don't be shocked if in this wild card round, he's going to play a big clutch role because that guy has it in a man. After yeah. seeing those two games and those two moments where how many guys have we seen just hit a little dribble to short or hit a little pop out to left and you hit two bombs. How many, how many guys can you say this season have hit multiple grand slams besides Steven Piscotti? It's pretty astonishing. He he gets the cocoa. Uh, Steven, wherever you are, I hope you're hitting. Actually, Steven's pretty close to us somewhere. Now that he's in LA, he's probably. I hope you hit a birdie lean for us. Um, yeah, I that was gonna be my second one. That's that's a really really good one. I think like his he should be hitting in that three hole. Like I would love to see him at the top of the lineup. He just, um, yeah, he was hitting. That's it, th- and that's the thing about this lineup. It's so dynamic where you can put mix and match guys all over the lineup when you can hit Murph two or three or eight. It doesn't matter. Like they have flexibility when they want it to. All right. So the next award is the, uh, Frank Thomas, uh, award, which is for the comeback player of the year slash most improved. So we'll, uh, well, we're going to leave this one up to a little bit of an interpretation. However, we, you know, which either of us wants to do, if we want to do most improved or, uh, comeback, whatever they mean the same thing, but I don't know for this particular naming reason, Frank Thomas was more or less out of the league, um, struggled his last couple seasons, looked like he was going to retire, came back for the A's, hit 39 home runs, helped lead them to an uh, ALCS appearance. Um, so, yeah. Julio, who's your Frank Thomas? 
Uh, a tangent before I go into it. Frank Thomas is legit one of my favorite Oakland A's ever. And in his Hall of Fame induction ceremony a few years ago, he actually mm-hmm. came out and said, he's like, I wouldn't be in the Hall of Fame if it wasn't for that year in Oakland. So that's what's up. Frank, love you, man. You did so much for that team. One of my absolute favorites. But uh, this was a little tough because there's a couple of guys I really wanted to acknowledge. Um, but this was somebody that he had been perfect all year up until tonight. And I feel like I jinxed him when I typed his name in. And it's Jake Diekman. Um, <laughs> last season, uh, Chris, Chris and I, it literally, I, uh, for those of you who don't know, we, we, we have like a Google doc where we kind of type our pre-show out notes out and we usually don't reveal our winners or our player of the week stuff until we record. So on my notes app, I put in Jake Diekman and I'm like, yeah, I feel good about that. He's given up zero earned runs and then he gave up a home run and I had to change that zero to one. Uh, but besides the point, I was somebody who was not a fan of him last year. He was wildly inconsistent. He was all over the place. He was walking a lot of guys. And the season through 18 or 19 games now, elite. He became one of the best relievers in baseball. His fastballs ticking the high 90s. He's. It's funny because I actually brought it up during the Dodgers broadcast uh, he had been picking up some moves from uh, the pitching ninja. If you don't know who he is, he's a he is a F- Rob Friedman. He is a baseball pitching aficionado, and his Twitter account's dedicated to just insane pitches that are thrown throughout the night. And he had been working with him to work some stuff out. And now Diekman's slider has been awesome. It's been really good. That's stuff. interesting. I didn't even know that. And That's he's cool. turned himself to. Yeah, yeah, he's Deepin's a pretty big Twitter guy, and I think we've talked about that before. Um, but he's really, really stepped it up. He's somebody that I did not want him on this team to start the season, and he, to me, he's one of the most reliable guys going forward. So Jake Deepin, I'm sorry I was a dick to you in the past. One thousand percent, you have all my confidence in the world. And like I said on Twitter, I'd rather have you give up your earned run now than in the postseason. Chris, what about you? Uh, that's a good one. Uh, I thought you were going to pick uh, Lou Trevino, to be honest with you. Um, so I, That was my initial thought, but yeah. Yeah, there's a couple a couple bullpen guys that were I was thinking about. Um, Trevino was one. Soria was another one. But I decided to go with a, a guy that we just talked about, uh, Stephen Piscotti. Um, he had a rough year last year. You know, nagging injury, really tried to come back and, and, and get – you know, kind of get some momentum, but he never could pick it up. And this year, I feel like he was just pretty consistent clutch um, all season long. And that's what we needed out of him. And it's just great to have him back in right field every day. And I thought he had a big year. I mean, we already talked about him. We have to go. We don't have to talk too much about it. But he's my comeback player of the year. He had a, he had a fantastic season after a rough one last season. Um, okay, cool. So then we'll move on to, um, this is going to be, I think, the funnest award. Uh, the What's Happening Here in Oakland Ray Fossey Award, which is for the greatest moment of the year. Um, Julio, what was your what was your uh, What's Happening in Oakland Ray Fossey Award? I have no idea. Glenn Kuyper. The best moment of the year. There's Honestly, there was a lot of really great things I wanted to acknowledge, but I think we got to start it off with what started it all 
which was Matt Olson's walk-off Grand Slam beginning the season. Uh, not necessarily because of the implication, the game and what it meant for the rest of the year. The season has been awful, or this year has been awful. And having baseball back is a blessing. Yeah. And to have baseball come back in that fashion with hearing celebration with the walk-off against the Angels on national TV when we're Chris was already logged up at that point, but we actually had a Zoom call going on, and we're all, because of stupid streaming and people watching cable, all of our reactions were off. <laughs> uh, it was wonderful, and it was just so relieving to see our guys back on the field again. It it almost got, like, I almost cried, man, because I was just so happy to see baseball happening again. Yeah. And um, it also kind of set, of like, the expectations of what the season were, which is, like, the A's came to play this year. Yeah. And yeah. Yes, there's been some struggles this past month, but they've lived up to that expectation, and it, it was really kind of was a trendsetter for it. What about you, Chris? So mine is um, <laughs> mine's the man chap uh, 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 situation um, that created the man chap meme. Um, just. <laughs> Just Shamania sitting in the stands and and trying to root for his team, and he has signs for every player. And uh, he realized that he had the wrong sign up for Matt Chapman, and he pulls it up real quick, and he just pulls up Man Chap, and no one, none of his teammates tell him, let him know that the the signs are backwards. Um, it's just because it's given such a great and unique and stupid nickname to Matt Chapman on top of that. I just love it. It was just such a great moment. I think it's going to stand for many more years to come with Matt Chapman on the A's. And it's just going to be a funny little nickname. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if next year during Players Weekend, Matt Chapman puts Man Chap on the back of his jersey. I'd love that. Yeah. And the fact that, like, the A's Twitter account played into it and that had like the Machamp Pokemon. Yeah. Like, but Matt Chapman's head photoshopped on it. So great. It was that's just actually, that's a hell underrated moment. You're it not was wrong. an amazing moment. Yeah. All right. So this brings us to our last award, Julio. The, uh, this, I think this is pretty obvious for all A's fans. The Ricky, the Ricky Henderson, the MVP award, most valuable player. You may go first. So, with this guy, I mentioned that uh, I didn't want to talk about him earlier. So I'm going to give myself a little drum roll. My MVP of the season is Liam Hendricks. Uh, the reason I said not him as the best pitcher, I don't want to give the same guy two awards kind of thing. That's just me being like OCD or whatever. Uh, Liam Hendricks started the season against the Angels blowing a save. And that's been it. Uh, since then, he's pitched, or throughout the season, he's pitched in 13 games. He has a 1.23 ERA, a .68 whip. He's given up 12 hits, 32, or he's probably had a couple more strikeouts because the Dodgers game tonight, I didn't account for that yet. Um, and he's saved 14 out of 15 games, including three wins. He has been the best closer in baseball. Again, uh, we... Shane Bieber will probably is going to win the the Cy Young, but I think Lee Hendricks has had such a great year. 
he should be in that top three conversation that even if he's not going to win it, he deserves to be in that talk because he's deserved it. And something I really want to add on top of that is we're big proponents of uh, greatness through leadership. If you do great, then the rest of your team will follow. On top of the great job that Marcus Jensen has been doing with the A's bullpen coach has been doing with that bullpen. You got to say that like, you know that that bullpen has been doing a great job because of seeing what Liam had been doing all season where guys who we were really shaky about when it came to uh, Diekman, Soria, and Trevino have came back and have pitched really lights out. JP1 Delkin's been pitching great. TJ McFarland's been pitching great. Hell, even Jordan Weems and his giant teeth have come up out of nowhere and have been pitching really well for us. Uh, and you got to say, he probably has a little bit of credit to do with that because you know that, like, you pitch well, you're going to give it to that guy in the ninth, and that's game. There's the odds yeah. are he's going to have a lockdown. And that the postseason's going to be really tough for the A's. There's going to be a lot of really great teams they have to go through the American League with. But if there's one thing A's fans should feel confident with is if this game gets to the bullpen – we feel really, really good about it. And that's something we haven't had in a very long time. And a big part of it is because of Liam Hendricks. Chris, what you got? This is pretty funny. Um, we've swapped. So your bet, your MVP is my best pitcher and your best pitcher is my MVP. Really? Yeah, so Whoa. my my Ricky is Chris Bassett for all the reasons wow. I've been bragging about for the past few weeks ever since I made the claim that I think he's a solid um, number three starter going into a playoff series, series when it looks like he potentially could be the number one starter in a playoff series. He's been fantastic, and the reason why he's my MVP, and look, Liam Hendricks, for all the same reason, and I didn't want to pick the same pitcher for, for MVP. I want to pick someone different, too. The reason why um, he's my MVP is kind of the same reasons why you picked Liam Hendricks. He's been consistent all season long. He has consistently been our best pitcher. Every time he goes out there, you know exactly what you're going to get from him. The offense knows what they're going to get from him, so they can they can um, deliver appropriately. Um, he's gone late through games. He's ate up innings. Uh, he's just he's just been lights out, man. And like we kind of saw a little bit of this coming last season because he had such a good season last year. But like I didn't think that he would like take this much of a step up. So right now he is tenth in in the league in ERA with a two point five seven ERA, sitting behind Lance Lynn, Yu Darvish, Jacob Degrom, um, sitting above Zach Wheeler, Kenta Maeda, Garrett Cole. Kyle Hendricks, a lot of pitchers with a lot bigger names than him in this league. Um, he has five wins, which is 15th. Mike Flyers actually has more wins than him. That's kind of weird. Um, he's just, he's just, he's, he's the most valuable player. It's simple as that. He's just, he just, it, it, this one was really easy for me. And it's not, honestly, I'm not even trying to brag. I know a lot of uh, listeners might think I'm being a homer. I'm not. I just, he was, he was, it was, he was that good. It was hard not to, it was hard to, I couldn't pick of anyone else. No, it's it's not a it's not a bad pick at all. And this was something the two of us had talked about the other day, which 
something that makes the A's uh, rotation kind of special going into a three-game series is uh, you know what their floor is going to be. Yeah. And with somebody like Chris Bassett, the worst he can do is throughout the season, he's proved it is like give it three, four runs, which is not a bad start considering when the A's offense is on, he can, they can easily back him up on that. Uh, It's not a bad fit. No, it's great. It's great. There's obviously there were some guys who we were so high on Ramon when we started the season. Yeah. Um, And he kind of, after the suspension, he kind of divvied up. I'm sure uh, uh, Tommy LaStella was getting a little bit of hype, but I, I, these are both really good picks. Confidence, I think, overall throughout the whole season from start to beginning, they've been the the guys who we know when they're out there, it's game. Uh, so that's gonna do it for the AZs this season. Uh, we'll try and think of a better name next season, um, or not. Um, hope you guys enjoyed it. I think it's um, great. I think it's great too. Yeah, fuck it. Um, and I think that's going to do it with this episode as well. Um, we do have one because we're not picking the central tools because there's only two games left. And we don't uh, have really much of a season Special preview, announcement. But we do have a big announcement. Yeah. So we're going to do a bonus episode this Sunday after um, baseball has resumed. Uh, and we know what the playoff seating is and we know what the schedules are and whatnot. And we're going to do a massive, not massive, sorry. It's going to be shorter, but it's going to be a, a bonus episode. But it's going to be of the entire major league baseball playoff um uh preview so we're going to preview all the playoffs not just the a's we're going to preview preview the entire season um so if you're not an ace fan which if you're listening to this podcast you are but if you want to tell your friends how much you love us who aren't ace fans maybe a giants fan wants to listen we're going to break down the entire playoff preview um so you guys can kind of know what to look for because again we got a lot of games coming up especially on the 30th and the first we got eight games that day, so uh, so it should be a lot of fun. Um, but that's going to do it, Julio. Um, time to pack yeah. up the gear and head into the it game. Kinda, it, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, it also, Sunday night, it depends on how the Raiders do on Sunday against the Pats. And we'll, maybe you'll get a really lively show or we'll be like pretty meh, depending on how the game went. But... We already had Exciting our football stuff, talk Chris. for the episode, Julio. You weren't you weren't supposed to be doing that. We're this Sorry, is baseball season still. I, I got and, a Josh Jacobs jersey, and we're out. we're about to walk into a playoff game uh, after our playoff tailgate. So get excited and let's sneak in some fireball this time because it's the playoffs. So we're taking shots. There we go. I like that, and that's what Liam Hendricks is going to be throwing. <laughs> there it is. He's going to be throwing fire. Uh, All right. Thank you for listening, everybody. Um, We will see you on Sunday. Don't forget, bonus episode on Sunday. And last but not least, Julio. Let's go, Oakland. ALS champs. Woo! The Town Tailgate is an independently produced podcast. It is written and executive produced by this guy, Chris Madrigal. And my partner in crime, Julio Reynoso. It is sound mixed and edited by yours truly. Social media management and marketing is run by, once again, my partner, Julio Reynoso. And a special thanks and shout out to my brother, Larry Madrigal, for composing and producing our theme song, as well as graphic designing our album cover and artwork. 
Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Please tune in next week. Please subscribe. And last but not least, as we always say, let's go Oakland.